0: Do you have a story to tell? Here at Rider on the Road, it's the journey that matters. Regardless of where you are on your writing journey, Writer on the Road will inspire you to take your dreams and make
1: them happen. So sit back and enjoy the show, as Melinda brings you guests who know what it's like to go it alone, and who are willing to reach out to the rest of us by sharing their stories. Authors,
0: publishers, entrepreneurs, people at all stages of the writing journey, just like you and me. It's time, dear listeners, to answer the question for yourselves. Do you have a story to tell? is welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. Uh, good afternoon Sarah, how are you?
1: I'm good thanks, how are you? Good. Now
0: Sarah and I are just getting back together everybody, she went west, I went south and here we are back in front of the microphone going yay, here we go again. Uh, Sarah, how was Winton?
1: <laughs> Winton was really good, really dry though. It's uh Yeah, seriously, still in drought. Um, I was fortunate enough to be able to do a little helicopter flight while I was there, which was brilliant. Uh, I took my twin five-year-old daughters and my seven-year-old son and we did a little trip around and, oh, my gosh, it's so dry. There's just no animals. There's nothing out there. Um, So that was really sad. But I did manage to do two library tours while I was there and met a whole bunch of readers and writers and it was just lovely. Some, Some of the stories I heard... It's just brilliant, you know what happened during the war and all sorts of things. It was it, they're just amazing people out there, whole whole another sort of people. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, when I lived in Cloncurry it was um, awful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I'm just wondering whether it's a nice place to visit, but you don't want to look.
1: Oh. At. Yeah, no, I Winton is um there was an Outback festival on at the time and so there were a lot of tourists. We went and watched a dunny derby <laughs> and uh, that sort of thing. And then we also went to Longreach and Longreach was that blew my mind. I had no idea it was such an amazing town and it's just so much to do. And we just got lost in the Australian Hall of Fame, the Stockman's Hall of Fame. Just, oh, my gosh, there's so many historical novels spinning around in my head at the moment. <laughs> um, so that was just spectacular. We did a Cobb Co coach ride, um, all sorts of things. It was, I mean, kind of pricey, but once-in-a-lifetime trip and we just had the best time we did all come home fairly sick so i'm i'm getting over a bit of a a flu at the moment um but no it was it was absolutely brilliant good way to spend the school holidays and um and then i've just got to recover because i've got a huge week coming up this week
0: Yeah. Now, everyone, it's it's really great to have Sarah on board because between us, as we said last week, we want to be tripping around from now on. Uh, Sarah going out west is a really good place to start because this week our our interview for the day is with the beautiful Fiona MacArthur and her novels are set in the outback. They're set out in rural rural Queensland, the latest one that she's releasing. It, it comes out now. It's called The Baby Doctor. And as Sarah's talking, I can't help thinking that your trip, Sarah, uh, fits in very well with the style of Fiona's writing. It is romantic out there. There are handsome heroes, but it's the very strong women that you meet out there that are almost, almost keep the
1: men going. That's it. The resilience of these women is just incredible. They deal with so much And, yeah, it's just amazing, some of these stories and these women who lost their husbands decades ago and they're still out there and they're still on the land and... Oh, my gosh, I'm not strong enough to to do that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So if you're thinking of uh, writing a novel, anyone, and you're looking at our outback rural Australia, the stories uh, have only begun to be tapped, I would suggest. There is so much still out there to write about. There are so many beautiful people who are so generous with their knowledge, uh, but setting alone... Uh, if you want suspense, if you want drama, if you want climax, all those things. First of all, they're in um, uh, Fiona MacArthur's stories. I'm reading one at the moment. Actually, I stayed in bed all day and and read this baby doctor. It's probably one of the best romance uh, novels that I've uh, read. It's produced or uh, released by Penguin, I believe. And uh, in the lead up to uh, this release of this novel all her back um back novels were 4.99 so i had the opportunity to sneak in and buy um Fiona's back novels for four ninety nine, but apparently once the Baby Doctor is released, they all go back up to full price uh, as eBooks, which is twelve ninety nine. The Baby Doctor is on eBooks, and it's pretty scary as far as traditional publishing goes. Um, that you've got to pay that sort of money
1: for eBook. And Sarah's sitting here gasping at the same as I am. Uh, oh, I had a conversation with some friends about this the other day, and we said, "Well, if you're going to spend the eight or nine or even ten dollars on an eBook, you might as well." just wait until you can buy them for 16 from big w and that's what we were all kind of agreeing we'd rather have a hard copy for that price yeah
0: and Sienna and i touch on that on the interview everybody it is really really exciting to be able to walk into places like big w and see all our beautiful uh, australian authors uh, and the books Books that are coming out are beautifully designed. They've got great covers uh, and a lot of those people are our friends now as, as they come on the podcast and chat to us. So if you're thinking of traditionally publishing, it is it is exciting to see your books on the shelves. Uh, and if you know anyone who is traditionally published and they've got a new book going out, remember, you heard it here on Rudder right on the Road because I didn't know that, before their <laughs> books are released, you can buy all their back Backlist for cheap, if you call four ninety nine cheap, which sometimes it's not even cheap, is it?
1: Uh, but uh. actually, though, as an indie, I did notice my book was on a bookshelf the other day in uh, in Longreach at the tourist information centre of all things. So that was really good. They only had one copy left and were charging about twenty dollars more than I do. But anyway,
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh, when I was looking, and this is something that really intrigued me uh, with having Fiona coming on the podcast this week, I went on to Amazon and I looked at all the also also boughts uh or recommendations for me or whatever it was and it was interesting Sarah Williams because your book was right up there on the same page as Fiona Macarthur's, and I was really excited to see that so congratulations
1: <laughs> thank you it's always nice to see it up there
0: <laughs> yeah and I took a picture of everybody and put it on Facebook because that's what I do best uh there was no sign of my name there or probably because I haven't written a book, but, you know, we'll get on there. All right, so Sarah and I, our interviews, oh, sorry, our introductions, we're going to try and keep them to 10 minutes, everyone. So each week Sarah and I will have a little chat about what's going on in the publishing world for for those 10 minutes, and then we'll kick into our weekly interviews. I know Sarah has got some fantastic people coming up on the podcast for us in the next few weeks, and I'm really excited to sit back and listen to some of the stuff, Sarah, that you've got happening. Uh, but in, in the meantime, we have a copy of this baby doctor we want to give away and Sarah we were talking about doing it through iTunes reviews so if you want to win a copy of the baby doctor by fiona Macarthur. sarah has is going to kindly tell us how to give us a itunes review uh so that i can post the book out to you she's shaking head and saying no because i don't know how to do um <laughs> iTunes reviews
1: either um i'm an android girl so i'm not quite sure how that works
0: <laughs> all right everyone what you do is you go onto itunes it's really really simple you go on to itunes uh podcasts and it will come up you can't do it on i've tried to do it on my iphone and failed i've actually had to do it on my laptop so you need to need a computer uh go on leave us a review and please don't say anything about all the times we say um and all the times we muck up just say nice things please or or i can't send you a book am i allowed to say that
1: yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah,
0: no, that's not true. Leave us a review, and um, the nicest one we'll, we'll get a we'll get a review. Uh, so, Janine, Kimberly, you seem to I seem to be posting books out to you on a regular basis. So here's your chance yet again. Uh, we're hoping to build up the profile of writer on the road. Sarah and I have been talking about a few ideas that we've got. Uh, sarah will be living a little bit closer to me maybe in the new year and we're going to when i launch my new website and we get right on the road up and running properly uh hopefully you'll see some changes and hopefully you'll see some improvements probably not with the interviews themselves because i still get a little bit carried away and i still get a little bit excited um but hopefully around the edges of the production of the podcast uh weekly blog posts the newsletter all those kinds of things that i talk about very often and don't get around to doing very much uh sarah is a lot more practical a lot more organized because she's got four children and half has to be is that right yeah. Sarah you're going to do all that work for us
1: that sounds right yeah yeah leave it to the woman who's got so much to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: all right so have you got anything you want to share with us before we kick over and listen to Fiona oh sorry yeah Fiona tell us all about that wonderful outback that you've been in out enjoying yourself yeah
1: yeah, no, I, I'm back and I've got series edits to do. My uh, editor is expecting um, my latest final draft next week, so I've got to get that done. I'm also meeting up with Annie Seton on Wednesday night to do a bit of a discussion at our library here in Townsville, and then the lovely Valerie Parve will be in town next weekend. So I just can't wait to, to talk to her and, and learn, and maybe I can sneak in and become a minion but I'll explain all about that in our podcast next time. Yeah,
0: and I think you can hear Sarah's kids in the background. I think that's what that noise is. I think they're they wanting
1: to be in on the in on the action.
0: All right, yes, everybody. yes, they're
1: eagerly awaiting the NRL grand final because, of course, we live in North Queensland, which means we go for the Cowboys. All
0: right. By the time this goes to air, everybody, football will be over. Thank God, you will never hear the word cross my lips again. Okay, we so. <laughs> 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 Sit back, listen, enjoy the chat with Fiona. Remember, if you want to win a copy of a book, leave us a review on iTunes. And uh, I will send out two books one is The Baby Doctor, and the other one I've got here is a non fiction Aussie Midwife's Heartwarming True Stories of Pregnancies and Birth. Now, I use that uh, as research for my interview with Fiona, and I've got to tell you, it makes a fascinating read. If you think you have got any kind of story to tell, You've only got to read some of these things and discover what a vast um, country we have uh, to choose our stories. It's really, really exciting. Okay, handing over to Fiona. welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. Today we're going back on holidays just for a very short time because I had the most beautiful time in New South Wales over the last couple of weeks and I had the pleasure of meeting the beautiful Fiona Macarthur in South West Rocks. Hi Fiona. Hello Dean Melinda. Yeah, now I'm really jealous Fiona because you're still there and I had to come home again. Is it
2: still beautiful down there? Yeah, look, it is. It's very cloudy today, so there's none of that horrible wind that you had on the night that I was there with you, but uh, yeah, it's a lovely weather time and I know that the beach is gorgeous.
0: Yeah, and now we're here in Brisbane, everyone. As you know, it is something like 32, 33 degrees. I'm sweltering, and all I want to do is go back to my long walks down on Southwest Rocks Beach. They're absolutely beautiful. Um, I've been looking at some of Fiona's beautiful imagery on Facebook, and it just brought it all back to me. Fiona, you're a bit of a sunrise and sunset photographer as well.
2: I am. I am. I just love sunrise and sunset (laughs) and all the times in between. But, oh, gee, walking on the beach at sunrise was something I haven't really done a lot of and I went out and stayed at Southwest Rocks for a week with my new um, Olympus camera and just had the best time. I even took myself off to um, Little Bay and I was the only person there. It was still dark when I got there. Well actually there were two little tiny wallabies <laughs> and I was still the only person there until well after sunrise. It was just incredible yeah now everyone
0: for those of you who don't know northern new south wales is a beautiful part of the world uh, fiona has the privilege of living there and has lived there for forever or almost ever from what i could read 30 years 30 years well it's got to be close to forever fiona yeah
2: absolutely Yeah. No, it is. It's gorgeous. It's actually really temperate. So you you might get a couple of really hot days, a couple of really cold days, but most of the time, you know, you could nearly swim all year round here. So um, it's just beautiful. Yeah, beaches are sandy white. Yeah. Anyway, I'll stop traveloguing
0: but I do love South Oh, uh, we always travelogue here on Rudder on the Road. That's what we do best. But the interesting <laughs> thing about Fiona, everybody, is we have an awful lot in common. Fiona came and had a glass of wine with me and delivered her brand new book, The Baby Doctor, which we're going to focus on shortly. Um, but what surprised me, Fiona, is uh, how our lives have tracked so similarly. Um, we were at a Romance Writers Conference together 20 25 years ago in Sydney. Yeah, huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Fiona has been to every Romance Writers Conference. Apparently, she's the last man standing who can say that. Is that right? That's
2: correct, that's correct. The other lady just couldn't make it this year, but you never know, she might make it next year and I won't, so we'll just see how we go. <laughs> that's a very interesting competition to have.
1: And
0: when I was talking with you, Fiona, you rattled off all the big names of Australian romance writing as we were chatting. We talked about Amy Andrews, we talked about Marion Lennox, we talked about Valerie Parve. Um, now, this, everybody, is where Fiona and I uh, diverge in our things in common because uh, Fiona actually, has over 30 books written 12 million books um sold in 12 languages fiona
2: you may have left me behind a little bit ah look (laughs) it's two million so we'll take 10 of those and throw them away but the um the libraries are always there and that's really really cool i don't know it's it's just we both write books we both write stories and sometimes you know things just aren't It's not that time. So,
0: yeah, I don't know. I think we're that different, mate. I really don't. Uh, And I I love it and I'm going to go back down there one day and we're going to sit on the beach together and write romances. We are. Uh, But the most exciting thing, I think, about what Fiona (laughs) does, everybody, is uh, Fiona's books are outback romances, they're rural romances, and it's such a huge genre here in Australia. And we've got the likes of Rachel Johns, uh, Jenny Jones, and I'm sure you can rattle off a long list of those names. Yes, or Manny Magra. Um, Fiona Palmer all those people yeah and we're, we're, look we're tracking through them everybody we've got um, we've had certainly had a lot of them on the podcast and we're certainly going to get a, a whole lot more and hopefully I can get out back and, and meet some of those guys in person but it'll be next winter now because it's too damn hot uh, Fiona would you like to share with us the big excitement of your newest baby
2: I can't believe I said that <laughs> my newest baby see I'm a midwife and I do call my book babies babies so yeah look um, it's just really gorgeous to have the baby doctor out there. It's a, it's a, um, I, I really like to write medical romances. So because of my medical background, I actually really enjoy having those um, medical aspects as a different storyline that runs through. So we, we usually have a romance. We have usually in my new books, I have these really great stories. Um, connections between women and that's sort of where I'm focusing more now so the romance and the medicine sort of goes a little bit back more into the background um, but it's definitely there and I will always always have a happy in ending um, in my books because when I read a book that's what I want. Yeah, and that's what we all want with
0: our romances. Now, everyone, I've yeah. I've been really lucky. I've gone and bought uh, Fiona's backlist because leading up to the release of this book, uh, <laughs> they're on sale on Amazon.com for $4.99. So I've actually had a bit of a splurge. Um, but I'm guessing they come
2: off uh, very, very shortly. They do. They come off tomorrow. They come off on um, uh, when the book comes out, which is the 2nd of October. Well, it's not tomorrow. It's the day after tomorrow. 2nd of October they'll come off. Um, and it's across all platforms. So if you're actually an iBook person or a Kobo person, they're all $4.99 everywhere. It's a lovely thing, actually, a really great chance to um, to catch up on authors. So if you've got a favourite author and she's got a book coming out with Penguin, you'll just um, have a little look and see whether her other books are up because it's a, it's a really good thing that they do.
0: Yeah, and look, everybody. By the time you listen to this, it'll probably be yesterday. Uh, so you've all missed out, bad luck. But I've got them.
2: Uh, <laughs> They're in the library. It's okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, the things you've got to do to get a free book, I don't know. Uh, now, I, as I said, I have the uh, hard copy of um, the Baby Doctor in my hot little hands because Fiona was good enough to drive uh, drive out and deliver it to me. And Fiona, as I but was driving, you give
2: me a glass of wine. Hi, <laughs> yeah, I did give
0: you a glass of wine and drank the rest of the bottle from memory. Uh, uh, but as I was driving out of selfish Roxy uh, curves around that beautiful mcclay River and it had something mm. there called Pacific Highway if I went this way. So I was meandering through those beautiful, beautiful fields, um, heading out back out to the Pacific Highway with my four teenagers in the car and the police sirens pulled up behind me and booked me for double demerit points because I was cruising at 80, uh, 95 kilometres an hour because I thought I was in a 100-kilometre zone.
2: Mm. Uh, so everybody, oh, please. Oh, when... the McClay River's 80, of course it is. Oh, um, double demerit.
0: Darn it. <laughs> That's what I said. But I'm going ahead with the podcast and I'm going to continue with this story, but I had to get that in there. This is a very costly um, episode. should be a tax deduction uh, if you think about it.
2: <laughs> I'm- Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's terrible. Yeah. But I'm really glad you made it home safely. uh,
0: Yeah. Now, let's talk about The Outback because this is where all your novels are set and it's um, certainly a passion of mine as I've lived and travelled around a lot of those places. Now, you're in uh, Kempsey Hospital uh, as a training midwife, I believe, and you get to The Outback Yeah, I'm a midwifery educator, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, that's okay. We're going to talk about um, – Fiona's got a few non-fiction books out as well. This woman is so prolific, she puts me to shame. Uh, but we're going to take you <laughs> to the Outback first.
2: Whereabouts are some of these novels set? Okay, so um, I had – this. Is, there's two being set between Charlieville and Longreach. So in that sort of curve around um, Charlieville, Quilpy, Wingdera, um, Junda, um, Longreach, that sort of real far western Queensland, which was just incredible. And the first really big outback trip that my husband and I did, except that I'm still juggling it between work um, at the hospital and um, writing. So we had to sort of do it all within a week, which isn't, as you can imagine, very long at all. So um, we actually caught the train back from Longreach, which was pretty cool because it popped us out at Brisbane, which is only five hours from home. So so that was a really nice thing to do, pop the the car on the train and then sleep for 24 hours and whatever long it was. It was just really, really cool. I really enjoyed it, looking at the the landscape going past. Um, And then, yeah, sorry, I was just going to say. And then after we did Queensland, the next two books that I did, I did down at um, Set Round Broken Hill area. And we actually ran into an absolutely gorgeous lady who – has the original Mount Gipps Station, which is the the original place where the line of load was in Broken Hill. So um, we were out there staying. They have a farm stay out there. So we've been out there twice. And and just the really amusing thing is, you know, you have these faraway places, you don't know these people from Adam, and it turns out that she did her ambulance training with my husband 35 years ago. So it's just one of those crazy things where you meet people and you don't expect to know them. So... um, yeah, she was such a heroine. I just, yeah, amazing. Kim Clant, amazing woman. Yeah, and this
0: is, this is the one thing I've spent all morning everybody um, being rather self-indulgent as, as I look through Fiona's um, books and did a little bit of a research and fossicking around. And I'm, I'm titling this podcast Rich Pickings because everything you do and everything you've written about and the life that you've lived is just downright romantic um when you're out of broken hill it just i lived i've lived in broken hill for a couple of years believe it or not everybody despite the lead um, lead tailings dams and the filthy filthy um slime dumps that mines are so notorious for broken hill has pro heart out there and he paints some amazing amazing sceneries out that way and if you're sitting on top of the slime dump and the restaurant and looking out it's beautiful out that
2: way isn't it uh, it's just it's it's just incredible. Seriously, I mean it's just the sky, the 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 grounds, you know, the colours of the rocks. We went up. Kim took took us up in the morning, um, before before sunrise, and we went on top of this great big ridge, and just there was this. Golden light just creeping across down the dark gullies and up the other side. And when you when that light caught the rocks on the ground, it was just like a it was like a dinosaur's back. There was just these little ridges of all these bones, which were not really bones. They were just beautiful quartz rocks, and and it was just shining and shimmering. And there was all these trees that were just just stunted and strange, and it was just surreal. And then little goats tumbling up and down the hillside. was crazy and gorgeous and that's just one little tiny area of broken hill yeah now
0: everybody uh if you've ever been to the broken hill golf course you'll know what fiona's talking about the lights uh, that kick off the hills down uh, i think it's the first fairway are just amazing and we've had more than that yeah we've had more than occasional picnic in those uh, dry creek beds as well you often see a lot of artists sitting in there uh painting away
2: Yeah, and it's just, um, you know, you can just, it looks like nothing. And then you'll notice that there's a slanty rock. So you go towards the slanty rock and there's another slanty rock. And then all of a sudden there's a river gum, And then you've got a little spot there that's just incredible. It's just around every corner.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, pretty stunning, everybody. Uh, For those of you who are listening from overseas, Broken Hill is certainly known for its art. Artists now, um, I believe it's getting bigger and bigger and more internationally re- renowned every day. Uh, mm. I did a lot of history research out there. Mary Gilmore, Dame Mary Gilmore used to teach school out at Silverton, uh, which is which is oh, really interesting wow. as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Silverton's amazing. Yeah. Uh, look, we could talk forever and I probably should shut up and let you talk romance. Uh, no, uh, no, it's good. Yeah. The reason I wanted to bring it up, um, Fiona, is because as romance writers – Nowadays, our heroines are very, very strong. Now, you've taken these really exotic locations, which everybody, the distances between them are amazing. There is really nothing out there. And if you get bitten by a thist snake treading in some of these creek beds, it's no longer so romantic. It's deadly. Um, but you've put <laughs> your nurses and your doctors in extreme situations, which can be nothing but romantic.
2: Well, it is because of the drama and because people just pull on the strength that they've got. There's nothing else there to pull from. You have to pull it from yourself. And that's what I love about the people who do maintain the um, the health and welfare of people who are out there doing their daily life and running these stations and, and running these truck companies and doing all these amazing, amazing jobs in, in extreme circumstances. And so you've got a medical system that's just, you know fly in grab save it's full of drama it's full of heroes why wouldn't you want to write about it yeah and uh, you have the time
0: uh to to pop out every now and again and come back to your your uh two days a week uh midwifery (laughs) training which which i'm a little bit (laughs) jealous about and i kept saying to everybody fiona why haven't you retired and I'm, i'm guessing i can tell everybody the reason is fiona you love your job but i'm guessing it's every day's an inspiration
2: It is. It is. You're right. You're so right. And people come from different places and they're just, you you know, women come into labor and they were like, oh, I'm so worried about the or I really don't think I can do this. And then they just turn around and they just do it. And then you just look at them and you say, you know, you're incredible. And, And you mean it from the depths of your soul because they are incredible. And that's the sort of people that is everyday ordinary people. And that's what I love writing about. I love about extraordinary things done by ordinary people. And everybody's just got that strength inside. And, and, you know, we hear a lot of negative stuff about the world. We hear a lot of nasty people. We hear a lot of sad occurrences. But there is actually a lot of good out there, a lot of strength. And I just really think that when people want to sit down with a book and they want to actually sink into what's essentially Australia, quintessentially Australia, that's what it is. It's that inner strength, and the Outback really holds all that.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a very, very good time to kick in to the baby doctor. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the story behind that?
2: Um, well, I don't want to give away the, the, the mystery in the middle, but basically I had a heroine called Sienna who I really wanted a, a – a great story for but I wanted she's a bit of a um, mystery solver, she's a bit of a medical investigator really, she's an obstetrician she loves the city fish out of water in the country but she, her, her sister has this mother-in-law who just knows that Sienna's so good at it, whenever this mother-in-law who's like this cattle baroness whenever she notes something that needs sorting out she just drags Sienna into it and Sienna's kicking and screaming and when she gets there, she actually really enjoys her time out there. So it was just lovely. I had to find something that was perfect for Siena, and I did. There was actually a, a course running at my little country hospital where I've worked for 30 years and been a midwife and now an educator. And I, it was just a disaster management day, and it was you know all these different types of disasters, and I found the perfect disaster for Siena. So that's my story.
0: And you wonder, everybody, why this woman hasn't given up her job. Disaster management found the perfect disaster. I'm really sorry, (laughs) but it is so exotic. I love it. Uh, One of the quotes I found to talk to you about today is, and it's out of your Aussie midwives book, and it's the new wave Mm -hmm. of young midwives from universities are amazing, confident, passionate, zealous, and sometimes a little quick to accept risk. Now, if that's not a perfect heroine, I don't know what is. Absolutely, absolutely. And
2: that's, that's again, why do I love my job? What am I? Ever did with the midwifery educator and I'm there for these, these young women as they, you know, take over the mantle because every generation is just that little bit better than the previous generation of the jobs, you know, in, in health because it's changing so much. Everything, you've got different ways of looking at things. You've got women's choices just become the hugest things. And these little heroines, these new midwives understand that because of the way they're trained. They're trained to be with a woman all the way through her um, birthing journey, through her her um, antenatal care, through her labour and through a little bit through her postnatal. So they're actually really focused on making sure that the women get what they want, um, you know, and while they're keeping them safe. So they're coming up against us, <laughs> who was sort of the more the doctor's handmaiden era, And even though we've changed a lot over the years, it's still sometimes a little bit daunting to see how much these young women will dive in um, and and champion their cause, their women. And, and, um, yeah, sometimes we sort of feel like we've got wiser heads, but maybe not. You know, it's all very exciting. and, And, yeah, I love them. I just think they're amazing.
0: Yeah. Now, I was reading, everybody, I was reading from Aussie Midwives, Heartwarming True Stories of Pregnancy and Birth. And this is a collection of stories, uh, true stories that Fiona's pulled together uh, from the women or the midwives that she's met around Australia. And what excited me about this is it is just a wealth of fodder, if you like, and research
2: Mm. for future books. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can I tell you about the lady that I met at Thursday Island? (laughs) Love <laughs> yeah, no, she, she just blew me away. So I was at a course, I do these, um, they're called advanced life support, support obstetrics courses. So I was very lucky um, about 10 years ago to be asked if I wanted to be one of the trainers in that, which means that basically three or four times a year, they'll pay for me to fly somewhere in Australia, spend the weekend learning about obstetrics and sharing that knowledge. So you have a practice day and then you do the 2 days. And then um, they feed you really nice wine and great food and fabulous company and you get to meet midwives and doctors from all over Australia. So does that sound terrible? Uh,
0: look, I am I am hooked. <laughs> um, Thursday Island is, I was reading that it's becoming uh, quite a tourist mecca, that they're going to um, stop cruise ships up there.
2: Yeah, well, I'm not sure. I suppose they should. It is absolutely incredible. The thing was that the midwife that I was meeting up there didn't actually live on Thursday. She lived on Saibai Island, which is the nearest island to New Guinea. So it was two and a half miles across the water in a tinny to get to Saibai. So she's the only midwife on the island and she's got some health workers and she's got a a relieving um, registered nurse, but she's the only midwife. And what happens is um, none of the ladies who live on the island, the islanders, can actually, you know, it's not, they're not recommended to have their babies here. So they all jump on the plane at 36 weeks and they all go off to Thursday Island. <laughs> Except that the ladies in the villages in New Guinea, if they get an extreme danger or they're scared about their pregnancy or something happens in their birth, they jump in a little chimney and they just zip across this two and a half Miles, and they appear on her doorstep, you know, dying,
0: <laughs>
2: with their babies, you know, thirty-two weeks and cold and, and barely breathing, and she has to manage, and she does, and it just oh, just blows me away how incredible she is. And she says to me, "Oh yes, well, you just pop a little cannula in, warm, pink, and sweet. That's all we want these little babies to be: warm, pink, and sweet." And I'm thinking, how the heck do you pop a cannula into a little tiny baby that's cold, (laughs) premature, (laughs) by yourself in this little um, small island with a maximum of 300 people? You know, it's just just amazing heroines out there. And, And why wouldn't you want to write about them?
0: Yeah and I as even as you're talking I get really excited because everybody says oh Australia is so far away and we've got a small market and we're disadvantaged but I I actually feel the opposite we have so many stories to tell and our lifestyles are so exotic that we are spoilt for choice
2: Absolutely Absolutely. And the thing is that, you know, even though um, Annie Delane works out there by herself, she's got the, she's a third world um, place, but she's got first world technology. You know, she does have a screen that goes to Thursday Island. She can call on the doctors to talk her through things. Um, All that sort of stuff's different. So it's just it's just stuck in the middle, isn't it? It's just, I mean, you know, you met women who went to New Guinea to teach the new midwives up there. You meet women who are out in central Australia who drive four hours up and four hours back when they do their day doing their antenatal um, visits. <laughs> and you just, yeah, there's a lady in the middle of Sydney who was doing... Um, um just really high tech, you know, dire circumstances for mothers and dire circumstances for babies. And that's her job day in, day out. And they're just they're just incredible women. They are. Yeah. And these are some of the
0: these are the some of the things that you learn as you travel around. Um again, everybody mm. knows because I prattle on and about it all the time. I've been privileged to live in most uh small mining camps in Australia. I feel like it's that way anyway. And the women that I do meet out there and their capabilities, they are very strong, they are very resourceful, uh, and they would not have it any other way, would they?
2: No. I mean, I I, like that book, Girl in the Steel Cat Boots, you know, brilliant stuff. I met that lady, Loretta Hill, and it was, um, yeah, she's great. I love the fact that people have these different diverse um, areas that they're passionate about and that they meet incredible people in
0: I'm just writing down girl in steel cap boots. I have heard of it. Uh, and I'm going to look her up. She'll be the next one, Loretta Hill. Watch out. I'm coming to get you. <laughs> blame, blame Fiona MacArthur. Uh, and yeah. then we turn it around again and there's something else I have to read you, everybody because I think this juxtaposes beautifully what you've been saying, Fiona. The next quote I want to read you is, In novels, the first thing focused on after a birth is the cry of a new baby. In real life, sometimes it's the sound of a first-time father hitting the floor and his camera skidding across the tiles.
2: Yep. Yeah. I actually have that vision in my head. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about it. It has about, happened.
0: Yeah. Um, the women are so very, very strong and the guys just close their eyes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, it's pretty cool. But then they're strong when we need them to be. Yeah, well, there's some poignant moments too that you talk about in that uh, nonfiction book. You talk about moments where things don't go right. Um, and, again, this is yep. – this is it's real life um but again a, what is a romance without um I guess emotion and you talked about a poignant mm-hmm. moment where a woman came up to you and said it's a year today and you and you realized you you made that connection with her
2: Yep Yep and that's that's midwifery, you know. Midwifery is the most amazing job. Um, it can be the happiest, it can be the saddest. But as midwives it's it's our um world to stand beside women during both of those moments and it's a privilege. So um some of the most um yeah, emotive moments in my career have been ones that are not happy. Um and yeah, you just do the best that you can and you just um hug people, yeah
0: yeah and it and it all it all goes into i guess you've got to be you've got to be empathetic to be able to write and you've got to be able to put your heart and soul in into writing to be as successful as you have i'm guessing well, I didn't try to
2: write secretary books, you know, and they did not work <laughs> oh, because no. I've never been a secretary. But you know what? Once I started to write midwifery books, it was so much easier. It yeah.
0: just flew. Write
2: what so, you know. Yeah, there's a
0: little yeah. tip for you. Yeah. Now, Fiona, you have an awful lot of tips for us. I'm guessing if you've been to every romance writing conference since their inception, I'm guessing you have some pretty in good in advice. Australia, yeah. Yeah, you have some good advice Look, for the rest of us
2: yeah look my big thing you know as i as I mentioned before, my big thing is um now writing every day, but I, I guess my my main tip for brand new writers or people who just don't seem to be able to get going is to start that book and just keep going forward, stop playing with it. you know people play with that first chapter so they polish it, and make it so beautiful. But you know what, if you've been doing that for a couple of years, you really need to relook at your process. <laughs> Go forward, yeah, 500 words a day in a forward motion we'll get you a book in six months, okay? That's doable. And then you can go back because you know these characters, then you can go back and polish it, bring out the song. But before that, you just need to get the thing down, get it happening, especially that first book. And the first book is always such an amazing thing, so big kudos to anybody who's written that first book because it's so tough getting to the end of number one.
0: Yeah, first book, everybody's like first baby. Getting to the end of number one is really tough. <laughs> uh, now, first books, yeah, first books is really exciting. Uh, I'm, I coach uh, young teenagers and now adults to getting their books written. And the first thing I tell them is don't put your head up until you get to the end of that first
2: draft, because if you do, you'll never finish it. Yeah, well, it's certainly tougher. It is tougher once you stop. It's like exercise, you know, if you don't do it every day. And you, and then it's a week, and then it's a month. You know, you've lost it, and you've got to start from the beginning again. So, yeah, look. It took me ten years, though. It took me ten years to sell my first book. So there you go. But you know why that happened? Because it took me ten years to finish a book. Uh, and once I finished a book, I did three a year for the next ten years.
0: Three a year, and how many how many Millsies have you got now?
2: I've got um, probably thirty two Harlequins, um, and then I've got two, three non-fiction, and then I've got five for Penguin. So how many is that? 41-ish, somewhere around there, 40-something.
1: Yeah,
0: and it's pretty exciting too because your, your Penguin books actually follow on from each other. I believe the one before Baby Doctor I bought it this afternoon is Red Sand Sunrise, is that correct? Yeah,
2: yeah, look, they weren't supposed to follow on, but you know what happens? You fall in love with the characters. And if you fall in love with the characters, the idea of picking another character out of that so that you can pop the other ones back in and say hello is just too enticing. So I couldn't help myself. But they actually made me take a fair bit of the um, the indulgence out of um, The Baby Doctor. So it, it's totally standalone. You don't have to read the other book, but it's actually really nice. Um, if you need the other one to find the people because you just I really loved
0: them they were such good people uh, and I bought the homestead girls first because I was attracted to the cover of that everybody don't believe mm. if people say you don't buy books for the covers forget it because I trolled through um <laughs> Fiona's books and I went oh I really love that cover I'm buying that one and that was purely how I made my decision of course I've had to go back and buy them all now because I got excited uh
2: well, see now I, I just taped that that little virus that you caught you know, continues <laughs> and spreads out <laughs> and spreads out. But, you know, the really funny thing is that the Homestead Girl is um, the one that's taken off with this four ninety nine thing. So it's been sitting up on iTunes for um, more than about a week and a half now um, in the top 100. So, well, in top 50 really. It's 58 today and um, the um, Baby Doctor's 44. So I'm pretty, pretty chuffed that the books are doing so well.
0: Yeah, and I'm. I want to move into, I guess, the practicalities of life as an author, uh, just for a little bit, Fiona, um, because I do get carried away, and I haven't spoken about your handsome hero. So I'm going to come back to that. Um, but I have got noted that at one stage you're on iTunes. Uh, the Baby Doctor got up to twenty eight, um, okay. and then you've got the Homestead Girls at fifty eight still. Now mm-hmm. those rankings. Do you have? Can you do anything to push those other than get the word out through really famous people like me? Um, uh, what, what else can you do or is it purely your publisher?
2: Well, no, it, it's actually, I asked my publisher about that and they said that basically once it gets up there, people notice them. So then they think, oh, well, that's up there. That must be a pretty good book. So they give it a go. And once they've found one book of yours and that they've enjoyed it, then they buy another one. So it is actually really worth getting up there. And I suppose that's what the publisher does when they're doing the four ninety nine promotion to get your name up there. So if somebody's read The Homestead Girls and really enjoyed it, my new book pops up, then mm. they'll give that a try too. But again, that's all out of my control. All I can do is, is go squee on Facebook <laughs> when I'm excited and that's about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I've got to admit, everybody, uh, I, I probably spent – a good 20 minutes there when I bought your books, Fiona. I scrolled through just as I scrolled through about six or eight pages just to see who were the recommended books for me when I bought your books. And look, it listed all our names, everybody. It listed all those beautiful uh, rural romance writers that we have. I've got Carly Lane, Rachel Johns, Tricia Stringer, who I'm chasing everybody. If anyone's got connections with Tricia Stringer, I want her. Um, Our own beautiful Sarah Williams was up there. Mandy, is it Magro? Mandy Magro? Magra, yep. Yeah, and, of course, our own Annie Seaton was up there as well, which is really exciting. Trish Maury. Yeah, I got her. Yep, I got her. Yep, so we could continue this podcast. We'll continue this podcast, everybody, for the next 20 years. You guys keep writing the books. I'll keep talking about them and I'll never get my own (laughs) own (laughs) written. You will get your own written
2: because you're going to come and spend a week with me and we will get you going ah look
0: i think you said something about um if you stop doing your exercise and stop walking you'll never get back to it everyone i've had a wonderful holiday first sydney then southwest rocks and i walked for hours first of all my excuse me nearly 70 year old sister i told her i'd say that on um on (laughs) online uh she ran the legs off me till i'm sure i'm three inches shorter uh first day back here in brisbane haven't, there's nowhere to walk, you're in a city, it's 30-something degrees and I just said to my daughters, that's it, we're packing up and we're going back down to live in northern New South Wales. It's just too beautiful.
2: It is too beautiful. It's lovely. But it's also um, really lovely up the valley as well. The Maclay Valley um, has the most beautiful river running right through it. It's actually the fastest flowing river in the southern hemisphere when it's in flood, which it's definitely not at the moment. But in flood it just it's huge, it's magnificent and taking the kayak up there and spending a couple of days coming down the river is really beautiful as well.
0: Yeah, so any of our international uh, romance authors, please come out to our conferences because we will spoil you rotten with scenery uh, and certainly spoil you rotten with romance stories Uh, but I, I do want to talk about a couple more things. One of the things that I noticed on your covers is your name is in huge gold letters on all your books and, or I don't know if it's in gold letters, but they're in huge letters, it's your name that sells your books and your titles of your books are smaller.
2: Mm. Yeah, Penguin chose to do that and I'm pretty happy. (laughs) Oh, it looks fantastic, Um, yeah. I think the idea is that, um, you know, if you can establish a name, then it's easier to um, draw people to the book next time rather than titles. Um, The titles, I haven't really chosen any of the titles. Um, so, again, I think I've chosen two titles in my life. One was called Delivering Love and the other one was called Delivering Secrets. <laughs> the rest of the time I get overruled. So <laughs> um, this one I wanted to call um, the Desert Rose Hotel and, because that's the name of the hotel in it. But, um, yeah, the baby doctor is intriguing and it's it's doing well. So I thank Penguin and I just bow down to their publicity, publicity department and accept that they know better than I what sells and what draws people's eyes.
0: Yeah, and the other thing, everybody, uh, one of the things that Fiona and I uh, talked briefly about when we were together was that idea of if those books are in big W and there's piles and piles of them and that the publisher does the distribution well, then your books just walk out the door, most often, don't they? Because they've got that they've got that readership right in front of them. Is that do you feel that? Yeah,
2: absolutely. And they're a reasonable they're they're a really good price at the um, direct to people um, in big W's and Kmart's, and and then you know they're just so in your face. Whereas in a bookstore, which is of course absolutely beautiful, they they've just got those small amounts of each book whereas Big W has the ability to sort of, you know, buy a large amount of books and and really spread them around. I've had a lovely phone call um, emails um, this morning and yesterday um, saying, you know, my book's up in town, all my book's down in Canberra and, you know, that's very cool when people tell you that. You bring book babies are everywhere and there's nothing like the feeling of walking through the airport and finding your book on the shelf. That's very cool.
0: Yeah, and that look, you can hear the excitement in Fiona's voice, everybody. That's why we're in it. We, we love that. Um, I guess it's a reward for a lot of hard work done. Uh, but even for indie authors, when I was scrolling through and I just bought, what, three or four e-books, uh, whether you're an indie author or traditionally published, when it comes to those ebook sales – there's no difference between you and Annie Seaton and, and any of them. It doesn't say one's e-book published and one... Oh, sorry, one's traditionally published and one is indie published. So if you're after that indie market, everyone... Oh, sorry, if, yeah, if you're indie published, the market is
2: certainly a level playoff, playing field nowadays, isn't it? Yeah, well, the indie market can sell it at a much less price than um, you can with a, with a publisher. I mean, my publisher has said, you know, I wear a print book publisher... So, you know, because I, I would love my books to be e books to be much cheaper than they are, but it's just not viable for them to do that. So that's not the way they look at their business. Yeah. And and I accept that because I chose them as my publisher. So you no, know, I do my midwifery and they do their publishing.
0: <laughs> I love it. And I think look, down the track that may change because I know there's a lot of authors who are a bit upset. Everybody I would not have bought Fiona's um Ebook, the Baby Doctor, or any huh. of them, because the ebook prices are twelve ninety nine. 99 Yeah, just huge. Um, whereas four ninety nine, I'd buy them all because that's not a yeah. big outlay. And I guess maybe you're right. Maybe mm-hmm. the indies do have that advantage in the ebook stores. But I tell you what, in Big W, we were there this morning, and the books are piled to the sky. And I feel like I'm walking into my own bookshelf when I look around because all your names are there, and it, and it, <laughs> it is exciting, and it does look good. And I say, oh, I know her, and I know her, and I know her. Um, But I've resisted, I've stopped taking photographs every time I walk in there now, which is which
2: is a big thing. Oh come on, I want one. I want a (laughs) photograph. You can um, send me one. All right. I'm doing um, the first week. My baby is technically not on the shelf until the second of October, I even though it's popping up a little bit early. Yeah. Well, I've hit Facebook with it this uh,
0: this morning, so everybody, I may even get this podcast up so you can get your four ninety nine books. I think I think it's only fair that we all have a chance <laughs> at it. Uh, now, I think that's this. only fair. <laughs> no, I want them for myself. First live video newsletter. This is what drew my attention to you. I saw you do your first live video newsletter in just this paddock. And it was just amazing. It was so effective. What made you come up with that idea? It
2: it was on my veranda. So um, it's actually pretty funny. Um, And speaking of Annie Seaton, Annie bought this amazing camera a couple of years ago and then we went off on on a, um, a holiday together and I fell in love with her camera basically. Anyway, that camera, you can actually stand it on a little tripod and turn it on and drive it from your mobile phone. So I had my mobile phone. There was no one home. I had my mobile phone in my lap and I was starting it off and, you know, we won't talk about the outtakes, but the, the actual finished product really didn't take me longer. It was, yeah, a couple of minutes and I, I probably end up with three or four of them and it worked. And I didn't realize until I played it back how loud the birds were, how noisy the birds were in the background. It was just great
0: yeah and everybody if you haven't seen it please go to fiona's um facebook page because it's well worth a look and i think it's the way of the future i've got my nikon camera and my phone and it says you can do all that stuff but my eyes glaze over but now that you've said it can be done i will i will put my 14 year old sorry 15 year old now onto it uh to to get it all set up i just loved it and we like those little snippets of video nowadays don't we
2: yeah, yeah, I think they're, they're doing really, really well. Um, it was pretty funny. I started to have a script. I thought, oh, I'll write a little script. But you know what? You can't press the button, read the script, look at the screen, do all those things, and keep your glasses off. So I, to, <laughs> I refused to do this with my glasses on. So uh, that was the end of the script. and <laughs> We weren't really interested in that. But um, it, was, it was, yeah, look, seriously, I'd never read the instructions And all I do is download my photos. um, It's a Bluetooth photo transfer, so it goes from the camera to my mobile phone. So that's how I post them. And next to that one, it said um, hand controller or remote control. And I went, oh, is that how you do it? (laughs) So it was just that simple. So good luck with that one. I think think
0: it's amazing. And what impressed me was uh, your book's look beautiful so penguin have yep. done a wonderful job they they look professional yep. they look gorgeous the colors are gorgeous the covers are gorgeous uh and yep. wherever you were sitting look gorgeous as well and knowing my luck it was probably I probably got pulled up outside your place by the policeman <laughs>
2: <laughs> did you pass that old horrible service
0: station oh I can't remember I was it's too busy swearing and, yeah. yes I well, did anyway, yes near
2: there yes that's where yep, I got pulled up near near there. there yes Oh, yeah, awesome. Thanks. Sorry about that.
0: (laughs) Everybody, I want to finish off with handsome heroes. Um, I've been saving these last questions up because uh, we all should finish with a handsome hero. Um, I've certainly finished with my handsome heroes. I'm sick to death of them. Uh, But (laughs) tell us about your favourite heroes.
2: Well, my favourite hero, I have to say, I have to declare that all of my heroes actually then from my husband, and I know I, I go black and blue that these none of my people are based on anybody, but it is the the humility, the um, the humour, the honesty, the integrity, um, and the fact that my husband has a really nice chest, and um, he's six and four, and dark hair, and he's pretty gorgeous. So I guess (laughs) most of my heroes look a little bit like that and they all have a pretty wicked sense of humour. Favourite heroes, I did love Douglas in The Baby Doctor and he was probably a factor in, in me writing Red Sand Sunrise and then thinking, you know, I really need to write Sienna's story because I would have loved her to end up with Douglas because he does not in Red Sand Sunrise. Um, so, yes, I have to say at the moment, Douglas is is pretty well my favourite hero. So, uh, yeah, you'll find him in The Baby Doctor. And I must say that my husband's middle name is Douglas. And the reason I had to put him in there is because I wrote this other book a long time ago. And the she needed to be a widow, you see. But I didn't want her to have a horrible husband. I wanted her to have the most wonderful husband. And how the heck could she go on with a new person? So I called him Douglas. <laughs> And ever since then, my husband's called it the dead Ian book. Ah. <laughs> so I had to redeem myself and give him a Douglas that didn't die. So, <laughs> Well, there you go, everybody. If you
0: are not absolutely intrigued now and aren't going to go rush off and buy those things. Now, my purpose wasn't... Uh, today to have a Fiona Macarthur book sale. My purpose was to just say I had a delightful visit at Southwest Rocks. Uh, this woman is so talented. And remember, right up there with those, with I guess what would you call them? The doyans or what do you say, matriarchs of the romance industry here in Australia? Uh, so remember, well, it's not twelve million books. It's two million books. It's just my own writing. Uh, twelve languages. When you get up to twelve million books, I'm please pretty too, actually. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the tips and i love that one write every day start that book and keep going forward remember uh, fiona took 10 years to get that first book published simply
2: because she never finished it
0: uh fiona where can we find that was the one
2: they bought when i finished that first book you know yeah it's incredible I've i've written about four other ones that just didn't go anywhere and then i wrote a book and i did not put my head up until i finished it and I wrote it about midwifery because I had the passion. And when I finally finished it and sent it in, they wrote back and said, Would you be interested in tweaking this a bit? And it's like, You're kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, what would you like me to tweak?
0: <laughs> I, think, I think Amy Andrews said no for the first three times, she wasn't going to change anything. And then it dawned on her that, Well, if I don't, they're not going to publish me. So she gave in as well.
2: <laughs> I tell you what, I learned so much that I will never, ever. Um, put down Mills and Boone. They have the most amazing editors. They have been amazing for me. Um, it's, I've just done so many exciting things because of my writing, you know, um, Orient Expressing. <laughs> Orange Expressing sounds like breastfeeding, is not it? <laughs> 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 on the Orient Express. But, um, you know, Italy, America, American Romance Conferences with 2,000 people, the Waldorf Astoria, all these things are because of Mills and Boone. So, you know, I just, yeah, I am so proud of being one of their authors and now I'm really proud of being one of Penguin's authors and I just want to be there and I hope the readers really enjoy my books.
0: Yeah, thank you, Fiona. And just... um... As, as, because you've mentioned it, uh, Amy Andrews is over there at the moment and she was at a Harlequin conference, I believe, and she wrote something really intriguing mm. on Facebook, everybody, um, and it was about changes to come and how it's all going to be really, really exciting. So I'm going to pin Amy down and see what she was talking about um, because we need the gossip here at Rider on the Road. We need to um, keep our finger on the pulse to know what's going on with you guys um, as you jet set around the world. Uh, and you and I, Fiona, <laughs> might have to have another conference, uh, another podcast about um, those American conferences because that sounds like a whole new story oh, yeah. i could tell you that story that is they're funny stories we'll save those for another time <laughs> all right thank you everybody if you're looking for fiona you can find her at fiona mcarthur.com uh you can certainly fiona find fiona mcarthur yeah. <laughs> i knew you usually let you do that yourself but of course <laughs> i've had you for 45 minutes uh yeah, fiona mcarthur which is probably where i couldn't find you myself uh now there was one more thing i was and going fiona to tell. Author on Facebook. Yep. Now, everyone, I know what I was going to tell you. The book is out on the 2nd of October. I am determined to put this thing out on the 1st of October so you can all buy her books for four dollars uh, I'll go and spam Facebook uh, for the next two days. Trouble is everybody's gone away for the long weekend and nobody's listening to us right now. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. Okay, so it's buy from me at Rider on the Road and buy from?
2: Bye. From Fiona, thank you, Melinda. That was awesome.
0: Okay. Bye for now.